Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 734 of the podcast and it is Sunday the 21st of January 2024 as I record this. So this is an in-between episode and in today's show I have a wonderfully down-to-earth interview with James Helps from Go On Right about his creative book cover design process and he prefers mid-journey and he really is the opposite of hype or fear when it comes to AI. So it's really a good lesson. We have a lovely conversation. If you're wary of AI, I think James is a really good person to listen to because he is pretty, as I said, he's pretty down to earth. He goes into how he uses mid-journey as part of his creative ideation process with a client and how it gives him more scope as an artist for imaginative designs and how it actually takes more time. (laughs) It is not just press a button, output a cover. And we discuss why neither of us are threatened in terms of fulfilling our creative goals. So if you want to see my process for using AI, then come and join the community at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the creative pen, where you'll get my tutorial videos on using DALI and Midjourney for various aspects, as well as other tools, plus the monthly Q&A, all for the price of a black coffee or a couple of coffees if you're feeling generous. So yes, these uh, in-between episodes are sponsored by my patrons and you can join us at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into the interview. James is a book cover designer at goonwrite.com, offering pre-made covers and custom cover design. He also writes articles for authors about the impact of AI at his blog, Humble Nations, which we're talking about today. So welcome to the show, James. Hi there. Hello. And tell us a bit more about your book cover design business and how you became interested in generative AI. I guess the first thing I'd probably say is I don't really like the word business. I'm more, I make covers and for people that I like and they come in and chat to me and I just do. I'm just a designer that it really enjoys doing covers. And I guess when it comes down to the AI stuff, I got interested in that probably around two years ago when there was a lot of stuff in the air. There was like the Dali and Imogen that I was reading about quite a lot. I've always been sort of somebody who's looked at technology as a thing in my history I did a computer science degree back in the early 90s. And as a kid, I was always interested in the sort of technology and design. So it's something that I always read about. So I knew that AI was coming, but I didn't realise that it was coming that fast. And it was actually a friend of mine who's another designer, Craig, who told me about Midjourney. And it wasn't, for me, it wasn't completely perfect. But I thought, well, it's time to actually start looking at this and learning about it. 
So it was about two years, 18 months ago now that mm. I started it, playing around with it's it. It's interesting, though. You said back in the 90s you did a computer science degree and that you knew AI was coming, but you didn't know it was coming that fast. But, of course, people have been talking about it since the 90s. So do you think it's all just sped up in the last couple of years, as you say? Because it feels like people think, oh, it's come out of nowhere. But, of course, it hasn't, has it? No, I mean, even I mean, even in the 90s, they were talking about like neural networks and how machine learning was working. And even I think Google at a certain point scanned all the books and all those books that were scanned were used for machine learning to do things to look, understand the structure of sort of text. So anybody who's used Google Translate, that's basically AI. I guess the thing that sort of surprised me but looking back on it now is the fact that it happened just after the pandemic and that's sort of interesting I've got a theory which I've told the same theory to my friends my more tech tech friends and they said the same thing they were like agreed with me and it's the fact that there was a certain point in the pandemic where everybody was putting money into bitcoin and bitcoin was shooting up and up so then everybody was trying to mine bitcoin and the technology that they needed was graphics card server farms and then obviously the pandemic finished bitcoin crashed and there was all these sort of empty server farms graphics card server farms so they all became available and i think that was what actually sped up it just all happening happening at once there was cheap computing power to actually start playing around with these things that is interesting. I have also heard that, that they need a lot of these types of computers. And yeah, it's, it, it is interesting, isn't it, how we need this hardware to make the software to make things like nice images and, of course, words and all of that. We're not talking about the word side today. But let's get into what are the design services available right now? Because it feels like when we started emailing maybe six months ago, like you mentioned Midjourney and Dali, and I feel like people were like, oh, these are edge cases, although Dolly, of course, is incorporated into Microsoft. But what are some of the other things that have launched, I guess, in the last six months? Well, I guess there's a whole host of stuff that's that's happening, especially with things like video. You've got Runway and you've got Pika, which isn't really a book cover thing. But then I started thinking, oh, maybe do a little animated cover, mm. like take your image and have animations. So I've kind of played around with them. They're not really there yet. But for me, when I started looking at it, I looked at all the services and I liked Midjourney because it, it just basically had the best aesthetic, firstly. Secondly, it was a private company, so it's not run by one of the big tech companies. It's not a shareholder company. Um, and yeah, it, it was just... The, the best of the lot really and also the guy came on every Wednesday and did a stream about how they're developing it and that they're really connected to the user base as well so I quite I, it's just the one that's the best one out there so that's the one that I use and it's pretty much the only thing that I'm massively interested in apart from this there's also little tools out there that I use in my sort of day-to-day -day job like there's a background removal service that's like powered by AI. There's also a vectorize um, tool, which is just vectorize AI, which is useful for certain tasks.
tasks as well. So there is other AI bits and pieces that I use. Mm, a few things there. So you mentioned Pika and Runway ML. Midjourney's also said that they're going to get into generating video this year in 2024 as we're recording this so I think that's really interesting because I'm also a paid mid-journey subscriber and I was like oh you know and I tried Pika Labs and I also like you I was like "Mm, this is not really there and runway looks too technical for me so I'm I think I'm just going to wait for mid-journey video. (laughs) I think the interesting thing with sort of mid-journey as well is that they're going about it in a slightly different way as well. The guy who runs mid-journey David Holtz I think originally he comes from a like augmented reality background. He was building like headsets or something like, years ago. So he has this vision that he wants 3D generative worlds, like like uh, art, art worlds. installations that you can mm. go through. Or so I think he was talking about video in terms of having it based in 3D, which I found interesting because when it comes to graphics. Obviously, you have foreground and you have background, and then sometimes you want to zoom out, sometimes you want to zoom in, sometimes you want just parallax scroll between things. And it's interesting that at a certain point it will be more that you generate an image and then you can move around that image to get the right angle, if you Mm. see what I mean. So I find that quite sort of a compelling way to look at it. And then, obviously, if you want to move have videos and i think you will get more sort of zoom in parallax scrolling videos with mid journey to start off with rather than those sort of trippy nightmarish <laughs> things you get from peak or yeah runway. the moment it is but it's so funny because we're rec- again we're recording this january 2024 and it's going to sound old really fast because within six months <laughs> i mean these things are just going to be amazing but coming back to some of the other things so of course adobe which has firefly which is generative ai and then getty one of the biggest stock photo like the most expensive stock photo place now has generative ai as well so it seems like all the tools that cover designers and graphic designers use in general now have their own AI services. So what do you think about that development? Well, it's kind of interesting to a certain extent, because obviously they're taking technology. Now, where they take that technology from, like white label, it might be stable diffusion white label, or it might be open AI, white label, where they take the actual technology of training the model. So somebody's got to train the model for Getty or Shutterstock, and it's based on their catalogue. But when I've looked at those, they're pretty bad. They're pretty (laughs) pretty terrible. The Adobe one is interesting, but still somewhat bad. I have a friend, Craig, who's a designer, and he's more sort of a corporate blue chip he works for blue chip companies and interestingly enough he's used firefly but what he uses it for is more you get a picture and you want to extend the back the background so it's like not really creating things from scratch that's the generative fill I think. Yeah, or like generative panning across. So like maybe you have mountains in the background, you want the mountains to go a bit further so you can use that image and it fits to the actual brochure or website that you're designing. So he's doing more of that stuff. Mm. And he's, my friend, he's a bit of a AI sceptic in a way. We send each other, when we find things that are really bad, like really nightmarish videos 
or we both kind of make music as well. The fact that he's a bit of a sceptic in terms of the quality and he's starting to use it, you can see that where the future's leading with, with Adobe products, I guess. Yeah, and you mentioned that mid-journey you find the best. And I think that's because you're an artist, you're a designer, and you know how to drive it. And what I found, it's interesting. So I have a lot of interest in visual art. My my dad and my brothers and sister are visual artists. So I know a little bit. So I've been playing with mid-journey. But I actually find now that Dolly gives me images that suit things like my speaking for slides and things like that, or for the blog, for example. It's easier for me speaking just in plain English. And mid-journey, I feel like as a designer, you have the language to drive mid-journey to get what you want. I mean, do you think it really is a platform for artists? Yeah, I think at the bottom of it, there's like a massive misunderstanding of what all generative stuff is. And it's this idea that you just quickly say something and you get this amazing picture out of it. And none of them work like that. I think things like Dolly um, with OpenAI, like ChatGPT, is good for things like slides because you can just say things in natural language quickly and it understands that natural language. But... When you're actually creating something like a book cover, you're looking at a sort of deeper idea of what you want to present. So there is always like imagination at the start of the whole process. You've got to come up with the right idea. I think it's interesting with writers because I'd probably put them into three sort of distinct categories when they come to me for a commission. I'd say there's a third of them don't know what they want. They've got no idea. And I'm like, well, that makes me happy. I can go away. I can chat to them about their book. I can extract the right information to create something kind of catching and interesting for a cover. There's a third of people that have a very specific like, idea about what they want on the cover. And they'll be right they'll be right about it they'll say I want this exact thing I'll go yeah that's a good idea and I'll do it but there's also like a third of the people that come to me that go I want this scene from my book or I want something that everybody else does and in that instance it's for me to persuade them that that's a bad idea because that's not what a good book cover is a scene from a book is too there's too much visual information on that and when you talking about Amazon thumbnails or people scrolling on the phone people are not going to see what it is so there's like a, there's an interesting thing of uh, there needs to be a concept at the start of any sort of project so two-thirds of the time it's that concept and that concept takes imagination it takes artistic thought to connect the concept with their book and then at that point you can start to create um you create thing create images on on mid journey i think the thing that's sort of interesting at the moment is mid journey's gone from uh 5.2 to 6 um well it's, it's 6 alpha at the moment and the first thing that i did when six, the version 6 came out i was like can it do this can it do that can it do this so one of my sort of classic things is uh something made of something so, like, I want a zombie made of smoke. I want a house made of green glass. 
So then you, you see where the edges of the boundaries of what it can do is, and then that just expands your imagination and expands like the concepts you can start thinking about when you're trying to come up with a book cover. So I, f- I find it f- a fun tool to see where the edges of my imagination are. Mm. And I love the way you're describing it. And I think it also relates to how a lot of authors, including myself, use AI for words as well. It's like you don't just go in, say, write me a thriller with this character, you know, boom, output. (laughs) That's not how any of this stuff works. As you said, you need the imagination. You need a deeper idea of what you want to create. So, well, let's get a bit more into your process then, because it's still that you don't go on to mid-journey and say, make this one image and then you're done, right? it's like it's not one image that you can generate you presumably you generate lots of different things and then you also make a composite in terms of a cover so can you talk a bit more about how your process works with a combination of trial and error and the composite sort of thing yeah well I think the first thing to say which is quite interesting is sort of previous to mid-journey I was using stock images and this is the interesting thing with that is you sort of um you sort of chat with the client. It always starts with chatting with the client and hashing out the idea. On that, do you mean chatting by phone or by email? Email. Yeah, um, me too. I was going to say, aren't we all introverts? No one wants to chat. No. <laughs> the, other thing with, the other thing is, I'm 50 years old now, and if I had a phone call by the end of the phone call, I wouldn't have remembered what had been said to even <laughs> type it down. So I'm like, email, it's all there on a nice email thread. So once you come up with your idea, when I was using stock images before, I'd go find those, try and find stock images to fit the idea, and I'd be like, no, there isn't any good ones. So then what you're doing is you're talking to the, even if you're like doing a composite, even if you're taking different images from different stock images and doing editing on them, you're still in that position where you're going, you either got to go, well, either trying to persuade the client to comp, to go for this compromised idea or are you compromised your idea as the designer and now with mid-journey I've kind of changed the way I've worked to a certain extent because I'll chat with them and maybe send them a few what I'd call quick and dirty like general images through that I've generated so he is sort of how it can go like there's a job that I'm working on at the moment where it's like a pig man cowboy so I went oh, okay right he's um look out for that book I can't remember the name of the author but so it was right I've generated some pig man cowboys which are not perfect but then the guy goes oh yeah that's that's that, but maybe we can do it more cartoony or we can do it more this. But ha- actually proving to the client and proving to myself that whatever the crazy idea is, is going to work, just makes my, it makes my life easier in one sense from the imagination point of view. But because you can do that, then it means there's a lot more work at the other end because clients, um, authors become more specific in what they want in terms of like, oh, I like the, I like that, but can we have it a little bit lighter? Can we have it? Or oh, it sh- shouldn't be in a wood. It should be with a mountain background. And so you end up, the more, the more, the more sort of directions you can go, the more things we need to generate and get right really in, as a whole entire thing. So in terms of commissions, it was easier to do with stock images because it's like, well, that's what you've got. 
we're putting these images together, we're doing a bit of editing on it, there you go. Whereas now it's like, oh, we're exploring this sort of visual space and this idea we've got, and that takes a lot more time, probably, probably about two or three times more work than it did before. Oh, interesting. That is interesting because a lot of people think, oh, well, it's much easier. But I think it's easier if you aren't a designer because, as you say, it just kind of expands the time. And, I mean, I play around with AI in my writing and it definitely doesn't speed it up. It just changes the process and what you can do. As you say, you iterate a lot faster when you're thinking about it and using different words to generate these images and but then after you let's say you get all your concepts sorted and how do you then put it together into a cover are there specific other tools you use to do that and fonts and things well yeah that's just the boring part of the job (laughs) (laughs) so I mean strangely enough I don't actually use Adobe tools I use something called Zara Designer Pro which is something I've used for like the last 20 years, which I don't know. Nobody's heard of it, but I really like it. I actually got a copy of it when it first came out. It was called Design Zara Studio. had a red sort of car on the front of it. And I got a copy of it because I lived in a shared house in Leeds with uh, a girl whose friend worked for the company. And he went, oh, I've got this design software. And I was like, oh, I'll have a look at it for you. And it was on a CD or something probably back then. Oh, definitely, yeah. It was the 90s, so, <laughs> so yeah. It was, it was <laughs> I love that. So you're working on software from the 90s and using the latest in generative AI tools. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like the version of Zara I use now is from 2012. Yeah. I haven't. So it's like, yeah, it's... 10 years old so <laughs> I like that I think I'm also the same there are some things I really like using that are pretty old school and then I like to play with these other new things okay so into that kind of goes through some of the benefits I guess for using AI so I guess one of the questions that people wonder is this going to destroy all the jobs like what are you worried about your cover design uh, lifestyle I guess if you don't want to call it a business <laughs> No, I'm I'm not really particularly worried. It's kind of interesting. I did a survey. I like to ask, I always like to ask my authors questions. What covers do you want? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? So I, Google Forms is my best friend. I use it a lot. So I asked them last year, and one of the questions was, if, if I replaced me, what do you think I should do? And strangely enough, 45% of them said I should become a writer, which I thought was uh-huh. quite, it was quite ironic because... I actually got into cover design and Kindle stuff because I am a writer. But the irony being that I'm too busy designing to actually write my own books these days. So they're like, oh, yeah, if we destroy your job, you can actually do the thing you wanted to do and, like, the original idea. So I found that amusing. Also, my other idea, when I thought about it, when I have a doomsday sort of picture, I think I'll open a chicken wing shop is, is sort of my idea. There's no decent chicken wing shops in Barcelona. I thought that would be a little bit of a money spinner. So I think there's a lot of hype around AI. There's more things it can't do than it can do. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of learning. And, well, I think work and learning, no, it takes a lot of exploring and playing with it. I think the if you're somebody who likes playing with technology and playing with, oh, let's see, just let's see what this can do. You find out where the edges are. 
And I'm kind of that person where you find out the boundaries of what it can and can't do. And then you find out what's actually useful. Because at the end of the day, it's just a tool. And I think the hype that's out there is very different from what the reality is once you've started playing with it and went, oh, no, it can't do that. It, as you say, it can't. you can't go write me a thriller and it'll write you a full thriller. It just doesn't, just doesn't do that. Or so, I guess even if it did do that at some point, and I'm sure it will be able to do that at some point, that's not the book I want to write. Yeah, so that's or I read. Think, yeah, exactly. So I think that that is the more important thing. So, yeah, I can actually output a book cover really quite quickly now. I mentioned to you I've done it for a short story, Beneath the Zoo. It was a one one prompt on Dali, and then I used Canva to put some text on. So it, that can be done, but that's because that was that project and it was something that was in my head. But today, for example, I sent two new things to my book cover designer and said, look, I need these and she'll do, we'll go through the usual process. And I think what you're saying is, you know, you exploring and playing with this is because we really enjoy it. This is what we like doing. But most people, they don't want to do this anyway, right? It's not their chosen field or their chosen interest. I think, yeah, I think it's like a strange thing because, like, to my mind, like, everybody who's doing whatever they're doing, they have their own, like, place to do that and they find their own tools to do something and they have something that they enjoy. Like, I I have, like, musician friends and I've made music in the past and I love music, I adore music. I don't have a Spotify account. I'm a... a band camp person. I like to buy my music. I like it in high quality. I like to give my money to the artists. And I like to find obscure stuff that nobody else has heard. And band camp's fantastic for that. Then I've got friends that are more into vinyl. Oh, I won't get anything unless it's on vinyl. And you kind of have this, you live in a world where things change and probably most people are on something like Spotify. But there's spaces for everybody in the world. And I think that's, to, to feel in that way is, is the way it should be that you go, oh, no, I'm, this is my thing. Or oh, I'll only listen to live music. I don't even listen to like records or <laughs> some of what, however you want to be, that's entirely up to you. There's space for everyone. So I guess it can sometimes feel as though, like, oh, no, this is the way it's going, or this is the way it has to be, or this will destroy this or this will create that. But things change, the world changes, it's forever turning, but you just find your own place in the world and what sort of you enjoy, I guess. I... Mm. Yeah, you do you, I think the modern saying is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, now I did want to return, so you mentioned the survey about AI that you did towards the end of 2023. What were some of the other things in that survey that you found surprising or interesting? The first thing that I, I really found surprising, well, no, I didn't actually, is that the amount of people that responded to it Five times as many people went and read the results to the survey than responded, mm. which I was like, people kind of don't want to talk about it, but they want to know what everybody else think, thinks. And I guess, like, the things that were, like, really sort of shocking to me. Firstly, I asked people, how much do you know about AI? And two-thirds of people said either a lot or, mod- <laughs> or a moderate amount. And I'm somebody who's been reading about stuff i follow quite a few people and 
my response to that actual answer would be not very much, <laughs> and I kind of follow it. Yeah. So that like people like to think that they know more than they do, and the fact that it's just changing so fast, hard to keep up. So at a certain point, I I let go a little bit. I was like, oh, that's mildly interesting, but I didn't. I I stopped deep diving into all the new services and everything that was coming out. I just sort of like glanced at it to a certain extent. So that was interesting. The other thing that was very interesting to me is that thirty percent of people that responded said, don't like AI, we'll never use AI. And I, as I said, that's fine. People can be in their own their own little space, you do you sort of thing. But then later on, I asked some questions, like which tool, which AI-based tools would you use if they were available? So things like, oh, if there was an AI marketing tool, would you use it? If there was an AI audiobook tool, would you use it? If there was an AI, et cetera, et cetera. And when it came to editing... Uh, 80% of the people said they'd use an AI editing tool to help edit the books. Hmm. Even though 30%... Already, like they use Grammarly and ProWritingAid, both have GPT-4 or other tools embedded in them now. So most authors, I think, are using it, especially now Microsoft has rolled out lots into their um, Microsoft 365. So, yeah, that is interesting, right? I think what people think is AI changes over time. Yeah, I think there's, like, a sense that, like, I mean, it it just makes sense, doesn't it? It, Like, if you're not using that tool, you don't understand how that tool works. Mm. Like, so there is, like, a separation. Until you start using something, you don't don't understand how it works. It's really that simple. But but then it's, like, needs must, isn't it? It's necessity is the mother of invention. So as soon as there's something that's actually useful to you... You're going to pick it up and start playing with it and using it. And I think there's like sort of a separation between like authors and like cover design because those people are not, they're writing and they're not designing book covers. So mm, you've been using makes. software for decades because cover design and graphic design has been on software a lot longer than writing has, I guess. I'll tell you the first job I ever got was in maybe about 1983 so about 1983 and it was on it was on lotus it was on lotus and oh it i was, remember I, lotus yeah yeah it was one of the lotus it was the lotus like desktop publishing there used to be a thing called desktop publishing software and it was a i did a newsletter for my dad's friend who was running a business and i got paid four pounds <laughs> so i've been oh been around a while but yeah i just wanted to ask on that survey so people said oh i'd never use ai but did they then say they were happy for you to use ai in the part of the book cover design process i think yeah i think like there's a sense that people are wary and generally what happens with a commission and i've talked to i do talk to other other book cover designers i don't see them as competition i see them as people like myself so i don't not chat to them and go, oh, you're over there, like, compete with me. I I do chat to them all. And we've all come to the same conclusion that when it comes to commissions, 80% of the people are happy with AI. And you've got 20% that are a little bit wary of it. And on the actual survey, the number was 
like 10% higher of them 30% oh I'm quite wary of AI book covers but when the when it comes to the crunch it's about 20% mm. Yeah, and I mean, as as we said towards the beginning, now services like Adobe and Getty, and there are lots of them now that have it, more and more designers will be using aspects of AI. And I think things are changing. I, I even wonder whether this will be out of date because it's an accepted part of the process within six months in the same way that, I know, I was thinking about TikTok. So TikTok is the biggest thing in book marketing these days. And I was laughing about they have now released what some consider to be the best text-to-video product. So the best video AI product is coming out of TikTok, which of course has trained this model on everyone's TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, no, no, completely. I, I mean, saw, I saw really exactly funny. the same. I saw the same thing. I, I guess we probably follow the. In fact, I do think we follow the same guy on Twitter who posts. Yeah, the same people and the same newsletters. But I keep an eye on these things. And I I feel like a lot of authors who protest about, say, mid-journey, happily use TikTok. And when their video product comes out, maybe they'll use it for their own book marketing. But yeah, I feel like in many ways, people are happy for book marketing to use AI. For Like Meta, for example, Meta ads or Amazon ads. Amazon, of course, is driven by AI. So it is such an interesting time when I feel like perhaps the fear and things have lessened a little bit in one way, a sort of inevitability sets in. Do you think things have changed even in six months? Yeah, I've got certain searches I do quite regularly on on Twitter. And the sort of AI book cover thing has died down somewhat. There was one that I saw, I think it was a few weeks ago, where somebody posted up, I'm going a little bit mad because I can no longer tell whether or not it's AI or not on book covers, and I don't like AI, but they couldn't tell. So it was like (laughs) really disconcerting for them. So which was, in fact, I've seen a few messages like that. So it, it is changing and it's just the way it is. And also, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a strange thing because you, if you're going, I'm 100% against AI in all things, then firstly, you need to uh, log off from social media. Because I was going to get off all, the internet. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, because there's, it's like a purity test, isn't it? Like, if you say, no, I'm 100% not AI, then you've got all these things that are actually just using AI, going to be using AI. I mean, there was a thing I read the other day about Windows. The Windows Surface, I mean, Microsoft Surface. Oh, it's got a new key, com- right? They're, they're putting a new key on for Copilot. Yeah, so, yeah all the new keyboards will have a button for AI. <laughs> Yeah, so, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and then also, I think you've got a few companies that are a little bit late to the game, but you'll see Apple having a bit more AI stuff this year as well because they've sort of been Quiet. sat back and yeah. I mean, Meta's the interesting one because they seem to keep doing lots of missteps. We, did, we didn't end. We didn't all end up in the metaverse, did we? <laughs> that sort of never well, not yet. But of course, the word metaverse. I mean, the Apple headset, which is coming next month, as we record this, it could be the iPhone moment. And I mean, I didn't get an iPhone in two thousand seven when Apple launched the iPhone. But they certainly weren't the first people to put out a smartphone. Like they weren't the first people to put out an MP three player. But they took 
a lot of that market. So it is, I mean, we're just at the beginning, I guess. And as older people, perhaps in, in the tech industry, we've seen a lot of change and there's a lot more to come. But we're almost out of time. So why don't you tell people where they can find you and everything you do online if people are interested in commissioning a cover or checking out your blog? My website is just uh, com, Or if you want to call it Goon Right. That is Goon Right. <laughs> you can call it Goon Right. Some people call me the goon, so that's fine. It doesn't bother me. It's amusing. And there's a link to my blog from there. It's, it's humblenations.wordpress.com. But yeah, you'll find all the stuff there. I've made some awful music that's online, which I'm not going to tell you where it is because... <laughs> It's awful. I've also made some humorous, quite dark Princess Diana t-shirts. Not going to tell you where those are either. <laughs> what about your writing? You said that. Uh, oh, my writing, yeah. Uh, jameshelps.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time, James. That was great. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. So I hope you found this episode interesting and that James's relaxed and creative approach has helped you feel a little better about AI for images and how the creative process can be enhanced and amplified by AI tools rather than replaced. So let me know what you think. You can leave a message on the show notes at thecreativepen.com or on the YouTube channel or you can email me joanna at thecreativepen.com. Next week, I have an interview on how to be successful on Kickstarter with Paddy Finn, which I'm really excited to share as you know how much I think Kickstarter and Selling Direct is so important for our future as independent authors. So in the meantime, happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.